And welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. We have a corporate update today with a corporate sponsor of the show. That's Ascot Resources. Ascot trades on the TSX with the symbol AOT and also on the OTCQX with the symbol AOTVF. Today joining me once again is the CEO of Ascot Resources, Mr. Derek White. Uh, Derek is joining me from Vancouver today. Derek, I hope all is well before we get started. Uh, I know you've done a lot of these interviews the last few days after the release of the feasibility study, and I just want to make sure you and your family and your colleagues are all healthy and well. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, we're all doing fine and getting used to kind of living in my basement a little bit and going out for air every once in a while. And it is a new reality for a lot of us, but we're all safe. Thank you very much. So uh, last week you did release the full feasibility study for both the Premier and Red Mountain Gold projects there at the project in the Golden Triangle located near Stewart. I know this was very diligent work and we talked about it a couple times leading up to the release, Derek. Um, there was a little bit of a delay because there were certain things called COVID-19 that took place that were by far out of our control. Um, but, uh, you know, first off, what a relief it is to get this out the door and to your shareholders and investors. Uh, give us a little bit of a rundown of some of the key points that you'd like the shareholders to know and uh, take away from the release. Yeah, you know, um, I, you're right. I mean, we got a little bit of a delay, but we were able to get get it done. We were largely finished by the time COVID-19 happened, so I'm thankful that everybody was able to kind of virtually connect and, and get it completed. Uh, you know, from our perspective, I mean, this was really about maximizing the, the value at a first step for, for the shareholders. And we took a, a total of, of, of about uh, 7.3 measured and indicated resources, converted them into a reserve, um, and we were able to, um, you know, point to a very low uh, initial capital or one of the lowest capital intensive projects in North America for gold mining, um, you know, at 147 million Canadian. And, you know, that that really started to drive the return. Um, we're able to also operate at a very low cost. So the, the, the all in sustaining capital cost here is $769 per ounce U.S. Um, and this was able to give us an eight year mine life to get started. Um, and generate an after-tax IRR of 51%. I've been in mining for many, many years. We don't see that many projects, you know, that score over over even 30%. So to get over 50% is good. Um, and that's really at a at a long-term price of around $1,400 gold. COVID-19 and some other things and the printing of money has really improved the gold price recently. And so at um, you know at today's prices we're almost double the value, and so you know that it bodes extremely well for for us at Ascot. Uh, so I did want to ask you about that base case. It's fairly conservative here at fourteen hundred dollars an ounce of gold. Uh, if you look at the sensitivity table, like give us kind of a rundown of where we're at with say sixteen hundred. Yeah, there's two things that really drive the value here, um, and one is the gold price, and the other one is the Canadian dollar exchange rate, and you know. For gold producers right now and for gold developers, we're almost in a perfect storm where the gold price is going up in U.S. dollars. Uh, the energy price, as many people know, and all, also the Canadian dollar are beginning weaker. And so just to give you a, a bit of a range, you know, at um, at $1,200 gold and 0.80 exchange rate, we're at about a 31% IRR, about $170 million after tax uh, NPV. And at $1,700 gold, or roughly where we are today, um, at a 0.71 exchange rate, which is where we are now, we're at a $600 million NPV and a 78% IRR. So, um, you know, and $1,600 probably flows a little bit below that at about $500 million NPV and, 
and roughly 70% IRR. So, you know, we're talking about extremely high returns at today's prices and exchange rates. Yeah, and I know you see a lot of both pre-feasibility and feasibility studies in, in your career, Derek, and I think you understand when uh, maybe sometimes companies release these reports and maybe stretch it a little bit to improve those uh, rates of return. And, uh, you know, when you when you were going through those internal co- uh, conversations about these numbers, you know, what was the conversations like internally to make sure that things were not necessarily overly conservative, but also not, um, you know, maybe overvalued with the, with the case of gold, which we've, you know, when we were in a bear market, you know, a year or two ago, we saw a lot of. Yeah, and I think there's there's probably two parts to that question. So the first part is on what's the initial capital, and the second part is on what, what are the operating cost assumptions we have. And what we try to do, because remember that a feasibility is done by independent engineers, um, they're not going to just jump to the market conditions today. They're going to use what they think are kind of more long-term averages and you know kind of where what is more normal. Um, on the on the pro, uh, sorry on the initial capital costs, you know, we originally had thought that we were going to be sort of around the 80 to 100 million dollar U.S. mark, and and we're a little bit higher than that, but not a lot higher. Um, and really, you know, when you look at the breakdown of the capital cost, around 34 percent is for mining and processing. And why that number is what it is is because a lot of that infrastructure already exists. So when you think about what's already built, that's not unreasonable. And then really to upgrade things to today's standards, we put a lot of money and time and effort into the tailings dam and the water treatment plant and site services that would bring it up to today's standard, even though 1990 wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Today's standards are higher. And so we've got 34% in for that part of it. And I think we've been reasonably conservative there. And then we have um, between the contingency and the indirect cost, which are the EPCM and construction costs, another 32% of the cost. And so I think we've balanced that out fairly well. What you typically would see is higher direct costs for the mining and processing and less for the indirect things. But in our case, because we're a brownfield site, you know, really what we're doing is taking an old house and bringing it up to today's standard. It's like saying, okay, I'm going to rewire the house. And sometimes that can be pretty expensive, but I think we've been able to be reasonable, a reasonable approach in how we've got about that. And then on the operating cost side, just very quickly, you know, we haven't gone out there and said, hey, we get free oil because the oil prices, you know, the WTI is negative. We've tended to use uh, things that were probably more in line with where things were at at the fall, and so again, I think we've been fairly reasonable on the on the all-in sustaining costs. Uh, when you raised the ten million dollars a few months ago, part of that was flow through, so you have to do some exploration work with with that money. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of curious. Now that you've released the full feasibility study, you know there's going to be more exploration work. Is there potential down the road to update that feasibility study, or do you think more likely you would go into finance, finish up construction, and go into production before you would do that? Well, I think there's actually two things that can happen there because um, not just for exploration, you know, there's the conversion of resources, the improving of the mining method because we're waiting for a new mining method to be completed this summer um, at, at, a, at a mine in, in Quebec, and then also what I would call improvements on the processing. And so, you know, we could release an update to the feasibility study, so that is possible. Um, but there's enough here. This is such a robust project just the way it is right now. I mean, you know, you can play with things too much. I mean, we would want to go ahead and try and base the financial package that we need to have. And, you know, we have obviously the opportunity for debt and royalties and different pieces of, of financing um, based on what we have now. And we won't slow that down to wait for improvements. So I think what we have is really good. 
can we make it better? Yes. Do we need to make it better in order to get this project on the road? No. And so I think, you know, by the time we actually get to mining and things, hopefully those improvements will be built in. But to finance this, I think we have a pretty robust project just the way it is right now. Well, it seems like it'd be more important for you as a CEO if you are to raise $140 million for CapEx to get the thing built. You'd want to turn around and get some cash flow going as quickly as possible. No question. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you about this financing um, to get this thing built. It's not a heck of a lot of money. I mean, obviously, a lot of infrastructures in place, Derek. And we, you and I, have talked about this a couple times over the last few months. Um, you know, last time we talked in PDAC, we actually mentioned a few ideas that you were toying around with, you know, internally and in your own kind of thoughts and conversation. But uh, now that this feasibility study is over and uh, out the door, what likely types of financing deals might you consider now? Well, you know, I think there's there's probably a couple different things. So, you know, despite COVID-19, because you've seen the gold price come up, and, and again, like this is the perfect storm for gold miners, we've got all the right things happening. We've seen some bought deals going on and equity financings and stuff like that, um, although they may have been appropriate for other people uh, and people will want to put those in front of us. I don't think at this share price we're really keen to try and do that yet. And so we're going to take our time. We did do a financing in February, so we're not in necessarily a rush to get things going. Um, but to put the package together, I think we're going to look at each one of the components, the debt, the equity, the royalty structures, and, and try and figure out what's best for our shareholders. Um, you know, we have a high margin project, which is capable of carrying a fair bit of debt quite safely. Um, we do have the ability to put some royalties, including a silver royalty or other types of, of forms of royalties or royalties with buybacks out there. Um, and then well, obviously we'd like to see the share price a little higher before bringing that equity. So we have a bit of time to make that work. Um, you know, the board will form a special committee and we'll, we'll basically go through uh, looking at the various options that we have over the next few months and decide what we think is really the best deal for the shareholders. Because you know, we, we obviously are concerned that we're trading at roughly half the value of other guys that are, you know, kind of on a feasibility study type basis as we are. And we'd like to see a little more love in the market before we get out there and start, you know, pushing the equity button too strongly. But um, I, I believe that, um, you know, we have enough kind of um, things on the go that we should be able to finance this without too much difficulty. We also like the fact that gold prices are very high. Gold people prepay structure, I think we talked about a little before, is still quite attractive and getting more attractive to us. Um, and so, you know, definitely would like to look a little more detail at that as well. Well, Derek, when when everything sold off back in March, uh, the low of Ascot on the Venture Exchange, um, excuse me, on the TSX was about 37 cents. Uh, you've doubled that since. I mean, th I think a couple days ago, you were up to uh, 91 cents. So, you know, you're, you know, an easy double today as we talk it's sitting about 72 cents so you know I, I guess i'm just kind of curious you know if if an opportunity were to come around you you mentioned that there's an importance in the share structure and the share price to continue to add value for your shareholders but what do you do if somebody comes around and says you know i'd be willing to front some money to get this thing paid because we've seen a lot of big financings come uh, come around for other companies who are well, in a similar boat you are yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You know, you, you, I want to say you'll never say never. Um, I think that, you know, we've had some analysts recently pick us up and we've seen some of their share price recommendations out there, um, you know, and they're basing it on what they can see in the feasibility study. And they're certainly a lot higher than where we are now or they're double the share price or, or even more than double the share price of where we are now. And not to say that we're going to get 100 percent of that, but I think we'd like to see a little more movement um, before we're just going to go, OK, we have to go and do a deal. 
you know, at the end of the day, if the deal is really, really attractive and we think it makes sense, um, you know, we'll obviously look at it. But I think we'd like to, you know, in order to make the best return for shareholders here, we need a balance of debt, project financing. Um, we need a balance of potentially royalties and equity. And I think we want to make sure we do our homework before we just rush out there and say, okay, the first person that comes along, we're, we're going to do something with. Okay, very good. Uh, let me swing it back around to this feasibility study. And obviously, uh, the CapEx is, is very reasonable. Uh, we, we're in this situation with oil right now. Uh, you know, Yesterday, uh, people were literally paying other people to take their oil because uh, it was a negative territory. And so now that you are in the business of building this mine, uh, the Premier Mine, have you considered buying oil so cheaply and holding on to it for a rainy day? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, clearly the oil price being low, and especially for us, it's diesel, which really matters. We use diesel in the underground mining equipment, and we use diesel for power generation at Red Mountain. Um, <laughs> the problem is we wouldn't have I think the kind of storage that people are looking for this, you know, in an oil field, you can't just stop it. So they need a place to store it. But there certainly is an opportunity to buy forward or to uh, lock in some pretty low prices. Um, I think the oil capacity that these guys are looking for is a little big, <laughs> bigger than what we would have at a mine site. It is a curious situation. Um, um, but, you know, again, the, I think the point here is that for gold producers in Canada, um, Alberta is going to have some difficulties. The Canadian dollar is going to struggle a little bit, I think. Um, and, you know, with energy prices being this low, gold prices being up, the printing of the U.S. dollar and cheap uh, diesel prices, it bodes extremely well for us going forward. And so the feasibility study is almost outdated already. It, 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 you know, there's a, there's a lot of cost inputs um, and, and metal price inputs here that, that bode extremely well for us. So we'll try and take advantage of them. I wish I had a bigger oil or diesel you know, storage tank, but I, I probably don't have what they what they need for the kind of volumes they're talking about. Well, without actually taking physical delivery of that right away, there might be some opportunities out there for improvement. Yeah, for sure. Okay, very good. Um, I want to kind of turn it back around here. Uh, Ascot's done some really remarkable things, uh, donating some protective equipment to the local hospital there in Stewart. Uh, that was shared a couple weeks ago when COVID was really starting um, to spread its wings in, in North America. Uh, so, you know, I, I tip my hat to you for doing that, uh, knowing that there was people, uh, first responders and, and healthcare providers that would be using that equipment, uh, you know, more effectively at that time than the NASCAR was since, how, you know, I, you, I think the site was basically on lockdown and everybody was in self right. isolation. Um, but let's talk about this. You know, I grew up in a very small town, uh, in Nebraska. And so I understand that with something like COVID what really takes part, the, the healthcare system really doesn't have uh, the space or the manpower to uh, really give everybody the, um, the healthcare it needs. Uh, and I'm sure that's somewhat similar to the case up in Stewart and uh, which is playing a big part in your decision to kind of keep things isolated. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's tricky. So, you know, when, when we look at all the COVID situations out there, we see a lot going in New York or in Los Angeles or Detroit or whatever in big cities. But, you know, the problem for a small country place, whether it's in Nebraska or Hyder, Alaska or, or, or Stewart, is they don't have a lot of hospital capacity. And, you know, there are lots of retired people and people up there. And, and, and the problem is if, if we bring COVID in, you know, and, and somehow it spreads through their community, they're just not going to be able to cope. So we have to be a little bit cautious about how many people are going to go into their community. And, and it's tough for them economically, 
you know, like tourism is an important, there's a lot of um, people, um, especially Americans who are going up to Alaska who go over to Hyder and, you know, see the grizzly bears and go up to see the glaciers and stuff like that. Um, and that business may not be coming through Hyder and, and Stewart this summer just because of the lack of travel and the concern of spread. And so at Ascot, you know, we want to help them prepare and isolate people if there is that case. I mean, they aren't going to be able to cope with a big, massive spread. But at least in the beginning, if they if there's someone that breaks out, they can isolate them and deal with it for a short period of time. Um, and so, you know, we're a little bit cognizant of just running up there and bringing lots of people. And that doesn't matter where they come from, including even from Vancouver. And so the northern communities just realize they just are more fragile. They just don't have the hospital space and ventilators and all the things that we see in the big city. So we just have to be cautious. I'm hopeful in British Columbia that we're, the curve is flattening and things will get better. And they aren't restricting you know, mining from happening. They're trying to make it work as an essential service. But companies have, I think, more of a moral obligation to just make sure they don't put a lot of people in there unnecessarily. <laughs> Derek, what kind of time frame are we looking at or maybe you're playing with getting boots back on the ground there at Premier? Well, what the board of Ascot decided to do is we were originally going to start drilling again and doing some more work um, in May 1st, and we've delayed that now to June the 1st. And, you know, I think we're, we have another board meeting coming up in early May, and we're going to revise, you know, the situation. We want to see what, you know, we're talking with the people in Stewart and trying to figure out what works for them. We have people and employees that live there. And we may just go slow at the beginning. Um, you know, there's we're seeing all over North America and the U.S. and in Canada, people wanting to go back to work. Some people saying, you know, I'm, I, I don't care about the virus. I just want to go up there. And other people saying, don't do it. So there's, you know, a real real controversy. But assuming that we can flatten the curve in British Columbia and, it, and it's safe, I think 1st of June would be our starting point. Okay. And what do you do until then? I mean, now that this big feasibility study is off your plate and uh, things are kind of... <laughs> Uh, you know, waiting until June first to get back on get back on the ground. Uh, what do you and the team well, do? Well, most of the team is working from home, just like I'm speaking to you from my basement right now. But you know, there's a lot of preparation we can do, and still additional work um, on the feasibility study for optimization. So we'll continue to work on those things. We're also working uh, a lot on the, getting the permit, uh, Mines Act application ready to go, and really uh, honing in what, you know different scenarios of how we could do the exploration and drilling on a smaller basis with local people. So, you know, still pretty busy. It's not like people are sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Derek, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, best of luck to you, everybody else at Ascot, and also all the families involved there uh, with the team. Really appreciate your time. Uh, before I let you leave, is there anything else you need our listeners to know about Ascot? Yeah, you know, I just like to say, look, this is a milestone event for Ascot. It took a little bit longer to get out, but you know, it's been a fairly short run from going from no no resources at all, really, of high grade to, to getting this feasibility study out. And I am very proud of the team for doing that. I think um, this is a robust study and this is just the starting point. And so for investors and people that are listening out there, you know, just watch this space. I think it's just going to get better. All right. I do too, Derek. And we got that going, don't we? A little optimism. Okay. We, yeah. we haven't yeah. had this much optimism in a while. So years, actually. That's good. So yeah. and uh, that's please stay safe and... Uh, I'm sure we'll have another chance to chat again, hopefully not from our basement, but yeah. uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. Take care of yourself. That's Derek White. Yep. He's the CEO of Ascot Resources. Ascot is a corporate sponsor of Mining Stock Daily. They are traded on the TSX with the symbol AOT and also on the OTCQX with AOTVF.